there is a difference between developing someone to who you think they should be and letting them develop into the person that God's created them to be. And it's so much richer when we are the person that God created us to be. Welcome to She Leads. I'm your host, Thea, and we're here to talk about leadership and faith and relationships. This is a podcast I created because I wanted to create a space where women could talk about what it's like to lead, what it's like to lead in the home, in the workplace, in the church today, and to talk about all the unique things that I feel like women bring to this space. I am super blessed today that my friend Nikki is uh, back for episode two together. We're going to continue talking about leadership, some of our uh, biggest wins and biggest struggles, and what we hope the future of leadership looks like. Um, Nikki is one of my dear, dear friends. I am very blessed that we've got to lead together, to serve together, that we get to be friends together and do life together. Um, I love seeing her lead as a mother, um, as a wife and her family. And, um, and the, and the time that we got to lead side by side, but now just to lead in different ways and to continue to be with each other on this journey. So welcome back. Uh, give us a little intro and tell us something fun. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about Young Life Pearland, um, but you mentioned I'm a student. So I'm a student at Asbury Theological Seminary, which has just been a really, really cool experience, um, to be bridged between all of these leaders from like just graduated, graduated undergrad and then to like the 60 year olds that are leading this. Um, and it's just a really fun, humbling experience. So just wanted to share that for those that are like, oh, I'm too old for that. Or I certainly don't have time for that. And it's like, you really do. You really do. Um, so I just wanted to encourage people who are thinking about taking that next educational journey. Um, you know, I'm going to be 40 when I graduate the master's degree, but I'm going to have one. And then I hope that there's a lot of life left to use it. Um, and if not, it's been so formative in my own spiritual walk that that in itself has made it worth it too. Yeah. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. Tell us a fun fact, something we wouldn't know. You said you had two mm, for me. Something we would find on your bio. I did. Something that you would not mm-hmm. find in my bio is that I love sharks. I think they're the most amazing animal in the world. Um, I am super, super weird, which is fine. I've loved them since I was little. My grandparents who, I don't know how they let me watch that movie when I was younger, Jaws, because there's so much language and so much stuff in it. But like, I fell in love with them and I am happy to report that my children have now also adopted my love of sharks. And so we are headed to the beach this summer and they want to go out into the water and they want to go see if we can see a shark, which I mean, nobody really hopes that we do. But um But yeah, I'm really, it's fun. Those little quirky things that you can pass on to your kids. (laughs) I love it. So sometimes Nikki and I have been uh, accused of being too similar and very, very similar in a lot of, lot of ways. We're like the same person. We have a lot in common. And um, what the funny thing is that you mentioned your first, you don't like Starbucks and then you love sharks. And these are definitely places we strongly disagree. (laughs) So see, we are individuals. (laughs) Uh, We have uniqueness. So we do. All right, let's just get into it. Talk to me about one of your greatest wins in leadership and, you know, something that really makes all the work, all the struggles, all the heartache worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go to my grave with saying that the greatest win that a leader can achieve are the relationships built through your willingness to lead. Um, there are successes, there are dollars, there is esteem, there is all these cool things that can come and that can drive people into leadership. But I will say, just kind of carrying on from the last episode was like that willingness, that vulnerability to step into a space, then 
give space for somebody else to do the same. And then you become, especially as a spiritual leader, you become this person that people trust and they want to come to and they want to hear from and certainly don't have all the right answers, but it creates a space where those vulnerabilities, those hurts, those fears, those anxieties, whatever it is, can be shared. Um, And seeing God's victory through those um, and being able to be blessed by like, I have some incredible friends that I have made because I was willing to step into that role that I wouldn't have made otherwise. Um, And so I say it just puts us in a different place where we get to have a different relationship with people. And that in itself is is the greatest win to me. Is there one or two specifics you can share? I mean, this one is pretty cool. Um, Your willingness to step in and say, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow this. I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to invite other people in. Um, And my getting to participate in that invitation and say yes to that, um, huge win. Like our friendship is so cool. I just love it. You know, yes, we are very, very, very similar, but also very, very, very different. Um, And we still get to be friends. And in a very polarizing post-COVID world, like who knew um, that people who are different and have different ideas and thoughts and motives and whatever could be the same. Because our journey started out so so similarly, right? Like we were on the same team. We both did family ministry. Okay, we have this path. But now we've just kind of gone in completely different directions. And so um, definitely that. I would also say the older people that I've gotten to build relationships with and the wisdom that comes Mm -hmm. into me. Because then as a leader, my voice is out and they're like, oh, wow. Either, I mean, sometimes it's like, this young woman is so mature. I would like to spend more time with her and get to know her more. Or sometimes I'm firmly confident and they can't tell me it's not. It's because, wow, she really needs somebody to speak some wisdom into her life. Like she might need some help. Yeah. Let Mm -hmm. me invite her over for coffee. And both are great. Both are great. Um, and so, you know, yeah. like leaving on my way here, I had coffee with a friend who's 65 and she's one of my most precious friends. We would not have built a friendship had I not stepped into that role, you know, and yeah. that's such a gift. Yeah. I'll share just the story of how, like what I feel like one of our first conversations, it was because of my role in leadership. So I'm the <laughs> director of family and children's ministry at a new church plant that is uh, doing great things, but also learning lots and lots of things. And with um, 30% of our population being very, very, very small children, I had a lot of mamas tell me a lot of things that I was needing to grow and direct and correct, uh, which was good. I needed it. And Nikki asked to speak with me. And I thought, here we go again. Another one. All right. You know, and so I prepare myself. I think I cried about it that morning. I asked a friend, like I told a friend about it. Uh, Oh, I got a meeting in the morning with another mom that's mad at me. And. Um, we sit down on the couch and she tells, she, she asked me, tell me about infant baptism. Tell me about this thing that I've never seen or really believed in before. Tell me what you believe is happening and, and tell me what it is for me as a mom if, if, if I didn't do it or I don't do it. And we just had this theological discussion uh, that was so beautiful and so safe. Um, I didn't feel like I had to convince her and I didn't feel like she was trying to convince me. Um, and I even remember, I think a week later, we talked about that in seminary and I came and was like, Hey, so infant baptism started as a citizenship thing. Like, let me look what I learned. And, and we got to just share in that. And Mm -hmm. that was really our first conversation. And from there, 
um, I remember we started like worshiping next to each other. Um, she would be kind enough to come stand by me and likewise, and just started, you know, having the conversations when the position became open. But um, even that, I mean, that happened because of my role in leadership and where I thought it was my role that was getting me, you know, some constructive criticism. It was actually, she was looking for guidance and clarity and just, hey, let me have a conversation with someone who might have some um, some information here that uh, may or may not help me, but at least would be willing to um, entertain my curiosity. So, and I think that's, yeah, I, I, you know, our friendship is is definitely a beautiful, beautiful gift that's come out of that. Yeah, for sure. Dare I respect someone enough to hear their perspective, yeah. even though I'm firm in mine, you know, like Ooh. I, I think that's, that's why our friendship works so well. Yeah. Is this yeah. mutual respect. Yeah. And it's, yeah, interesting when there's been like, oh, you're still friends? Of course we are. We're real friends. <laughs> <laughs> I moved around the block from her, okay? We're close. <laughs> Um, so talk about uh, one of your greatest failures or struggles with leadership. What is something you, from the past or that you're still even wrestling with today as, as much as you'd like to share? Yeah, um, it is definitely OPP, other people's problems. And not like absorbing their problems, but their expectations on what I'm supposed to look like and me absorbing those because I'm an anagram one mm-hmm. and I'm a first child. And I love to meet people's expectations and I love to hear good job and get a pat on the back. And so I will chameleon myself into all different kinds of ways so that I am meeting expectations. And it grieves the heart of God to see his children created in his image mold into someone else's. And that is my biggest failure is letting myself be molded into someone else's expectations Mm -hmm. and meeting somebody else's desire for the role that I was called to. And um, when God began to make that very clear to me, past four or five months of pain and a lot of emotion, um, anger and sadness and all those different things that women are blessed enough to be able to experience, um, and let ourselves sit in and not be okay. I decided that Christ's humility was the only way for me to respond. And that is to to step out of myself and really receive. And so I started reading the book of Philippians over and over and over again. I just finished it again for, I don't know how many times this morning, um, just to hear Paul talk about how all of these things are going on outside of him. And he knows what it is to be in need. And he knows what it is to be to have plenty, and in all things, he's found contentment. And I think that is, that's the key to success. That's the key to joy. That is the key to contentment. That is the key to abundant life that Jesus came to give us, is letting these expectations, both of ourselves and from other people, go. Um, and that has been, I have failed the greatest when I have grabbed on to another image. Yeah. But what's it like for people around you when you stop being who <laughs> they expect you to be? Yeah, we've, we've had this conversation before, mm-hmm. one that I wouldn't record. Um, for you, for the person who stops, it's incredibly freeing. Mm. It's like taking off that wet coat, a wet blanket. It's just like, oh, oh, oh. 
wow, I am a child of God. I am made in the image that's perfect already. And while I am not perfect, I am a vessel of all these things. And your expectations suck Mm. because you don't see that. Because you think that we have to be created in this way. You, how small-minded you begin to see people of just like, like, like our friendship. Like, can you not see outside of yourself and think that God might, like, you might not have it right? Mm. You might not know the best. And while leadership is so much about helping develop people, and I firmly believe in that. I, you know, spent a lot of my time at undergrad working at a firm who, that was all they did was leadership development. Um, read tons of books, taken all the different quizzes on things. I am constantly improving um, because I like to meet expectations. Um, but there is a difference between developing someone to who you think they should be and letting them develop into the person that God's created them to be. And it's so much richer when we are the person that God created us to be. Yes. And we work out some of those things. Yes. Like let them struggle. Let them fail. Let them learn and move through way, the way that God is teaching that lesson instead of your own. Because it doesn't have to be your failure too, just because you're attached to them. You don't have to grab on. You don't have, we say this all the time, right? You don't have to pick up what they're putting down. Mm-hmm. You can let them struggle. And I think, you know, as a parent, we see that so often. And I see parents all the time of like, but I thought my kid was going to be this blah, 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 star football player, band leader, cheerleader, whatever I wanted to be when I was growing up. I thought my kid was going to do this and that and this. Okay. And if they don't, your love is still great for them. God still has incredible value in them and a great plan for them. Mm -hmm. So let them go. And then I hear the other side. Of parents like, wow, I really thought my kid was going to do this and this, but I am so proud of the adult that they are. Mm-hmm. That's what leadership is, mm-hmm. is being proud of them in the process and through the process. Yeah. Two things you're talking about definitely can relate to that chameleon complex, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who do you need me to be? I'll be that. Let me set those expectations. I'm going to not only meet them, I'm going to exceed them right. and I'll be your star. Don't worry about me, you know? And I know for myself in my, especially nonprofit career, I mean, I was exhausted and lonely because nobody knew the real me. They knew who I could perform to be and how easy it was to bring that same Thea into the church, right? Oh, I'll just be working for God. I'll be better. But in fact, still striving to meet others' expectations, be who they wanted me to be. And when I did, how great I thought it felt. Mm-hmm. But I would have to agree when you're able to break out of, and then it's like, oh, I like me. Mm-hmm. I enjoy me. I have amazing things to offer. And if you can't see it, that's on you. And that's okay. Maybe yeah. I'm not for you. Right. Um, and I love how you mentioned as leaders, we can get in that same trap, right? Of trying to build people who we want them to be. And I would assume, and I'm sure we've talked about this several times, even I've got in mind this person I want for this volunteer role. And you take them to coffee and you have that conversation and you build it up and then they say no. And I know for me, I'm like, I guess they don't really like me. They don't, they must be afraid of what God's going to do. You know, I can have all these reasons why they're not behaving the way I think they should. When in reality, what the best thing I can do is say, all right, great. 
tell me, where are you being called? What is it that God's putting on your heart? Right. And as I've grown as a leader, now I start there instead of with my little role and my little piece of paper, mm-hmm. what I want them to do. Right. Tell me where your heart is. What is, I see leadership in you. I see something more in you. I know you can do more than come and just sit in a chair. What is it that you're feeling called to do and, and start there? And then, yeah, lead them to be who they are called to be, who God has formed them to be. And then you have richer, truer followers, participants, co-leaders mm-hmm. in this thing. Um, I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Definitely can see how it, how it all kind of wraps around, right? Yeah. What do you hope the future of female leadership holds? Um, I, 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 I want to, you know, a couple years ago, your daughter for career day dressed up and said she wanted to be a pastor, right? Which is beautiful, right? And it's 100% normal for young girls to want to be what their mothers are for a season, right? But let's just take that fantasy and roll with it. What do you hope it looks like for someone her age when she's ready to step into those types of of leadership in the church, in the world, in her family? What do you hope the future of female leadership looks like? Yeah. Well, that one's going to tear a spot. Because she saw her mom step out of the pastoral role and move uh, and hurt. And this year, since then, every year since then, it has been her little student of the week card was filled in with, I want to be a pastor. And this year it changed. Um, and so, whew, I hope and pray that she and her generation of females let go of the expectation. Uh, like I said, it's, it's very normal for a daughter to want to be what her mother wants to be. I mean, good gosh, please. <laughs> You know, at least I see something in me that you want to be, right? Um, But I hope she sees um, my willingness to serve where God was calling me and whatever that looked like and whatever role that was and how much prestige came with it or how much humility came with it, that, uh, that God's call was fluid because not only was he at work through me, but in me. Um, and so... Um, definitely excited to see. It's funny. She's also the kid who, when I was talking, she's in first grade. So it is, she's starting to see these like cliques form and friendships and she's just not that kid, which is great for now. I hope it stays that way. Um, but I was talking to her about how sometimes we can go into places where we don't feel like we belong. <laughs> she from the back seat, she was like, I've never felt that way. Um, and I, I hope that carries. I hope at 37 years old, I can sit down and have coffee with my daughter and she like, mom, I never felt like there wasn't a place that I belonged because I know my worth and I know who I am. And I know that even if those people don't feel like I belong there, it's not me, it's them. Like you said, maybe it's just, this is not my shape to fit in, right? My shape doesn't fit this bucket, but there are other buckets and it's fine. Um, and certainly hope there's a lot less criticism and comparison and a lot more cooperation. A lot more because, I mean, I think it was probably six, seven years ago that I started hearing this, um, you know, there's memes and all the social media things that we have of like, 
these snippets of words, these sticky statements, right, that we want to carry on. It's like, oh, her success doesn't have to devalue mine. Um, but I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that actually played out yet. Mm-hmm. In my experience, I have seen it in other places. I have seen teams of females that lead together really well. Um, I hope that we can get healthy in that space. I hope that we can be confident enough in who we are and stop trying to meet other people's expectations or think that we have to achieve this certain level and really embody teamwork and cooperation um, and celebrating one another and not thinking that just because somebody has this different than you, that that makes her more valuable. Hmm. Um, I really am excited to hopefully lead some students in that direction. And as I'll tell you, it is, it is a hard world for young girls yeah. right now. Um, and social media hasn't made it any easier. And we can post all these statements on social all we want, but it's not moving anybody's mm-hmm. head and heart. Um, it's going to be taking some examples of seeing it yeah. and celebrating it. And so um, that's my hope for my daughters 30 years from now whatever role it is that she's mm-hmm. chosen to be, um, that she gets to celebrate it with her friends. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. I mean, first you talk about the, the it being fluid, and that's something that I'm recognizing with just the world of work, right? As a, as a millennial and as an old millennial, um, working with Gen uh, Xers and uh, Gen Zers and recognizing that... Um, this way of loyalty and like kind of really that that boomer mentality i'm going to get in a company i'm going to stay there 50 years mm-hmm. and i'm going to retire and i'm going to work my way that's not reality anymore and millennials kind of came in and, and broke the mold i would say and said i'm just going to go my way mm-hmm. if that means i lose my savings and i lose everything at least i tried you know with the the most entrepreneurial society and then i what i see in gen z is this I'm going to have 17 forms of income. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing 17 things. And that way there's not one that's going to hold me. There's not one that I'm going to fall, you know, a slave to. I'm going to be able to do whatever it is I want to do. And I don't care if I got to drive for Uber and deliver and deliver DoorDash and walk your dogs too. That's fine. Like I'm going to do what I have to do. And um, I think that that, so that, that kind of just leads into that fluidity, right? And the same thing, I mean, we both started in a whole different career and have made it here. And I have dreams for other things coming down the future, right? Of, of other things that I hope that uh, get to be a part of what I do. And so I, I definitely see that, you know, the fact that she's changed her mind the past three years, well, she'll probably change it 30 more times, no doubt. right? Um, and it doesn't mean that, that uh, pastoral leadership or church leadership or Christian leadership isn't a part of her future, right? And I also love this idea that she doesn't ever have to, she doesn't have to break out of the box. Yeah. She doesn't have to take that wet blanket off. That she never put it on. She didn't even know they existed. And someone who tried to put one on her will be like, "What? Are, who are you? I don't know what you're up to, right?" And when you say that about the future of female leadership, that's—I mean, I want that too. I don't want these young girls today to have to fight the way that really our ancestors did, and we're still having to experience, especially in the church that unfortunately is years behind corporate America, right? Mm-hmm. I think we both experienced that too. Mm-hmm. I was just never made more aware of my femaleness until I walked into the church. I said, whoa, <laughs> oh, I'm a girl. Yeah. Okay. This is right. Oh, okay. Like never had issued with that right. out in the corporate world. Um, and so, yeah, I love that idea is that those boxes aren't even 
they're not even an option. Mm -hmm. They're not even considered. Mm -hmm. And it's living into this fullness of who God has created these young girls, these young women to be and being willing to live and lead there. I mean, that's a generation I want to take to coffee. Yeah. Right. I want to grow from. I want to learn from. I want to. I want to say, and maybe offer a little wisdom of, hey, I'm going to say your retirement does look a lot better when you stay for 19 years. <laughs> there's somewhere in between. Yeah. You know? And that's how God's always working. Somewhere in between your idea of reality and someone else's is true. Yeah. We work together. It's better. Yeah. So for the women leading now in the home and in the workplace, in the church, and who are seeing these young girls and whatever young means to you what's their next step to make a little bit of that future dream come true use your words wisely encourage somebody around you call out what you see stop letting it threaten you or thinking it's awkward to say hey i saw this in you and i really appreciate that or that's really cool yeah. or this is very different you know i had Somebody tell me recently, there I was talking about being ordinary. I was like, yeah, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just, just Nick. Um, and she was like, no, you are so much more. You are so extraordinary. And I was just like, oh, I am. And I walked a little taller that day. And I maybe was a little bit more willing to listen to God say, you're beautiful. And receive that in a different way. Our words are powerful. Our words to other women are powerful. Use them wisely. And don't be afraid to say something kind because it might be awkward. It's okay to be awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Come sit next to me. It'll be awkward. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being honest and real. It is, again, an honor and a privilege to lead alongside you, to see you lead, to celebrate you. Um, and to share this wonderful friendship. And I just, yeah, I can't wait to see what the future's going to bring. So thank you so much for being my very first guest. You're wonderful. You did great. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're willing to join us uh, for this episode of She Leads Podcast. I would love to hear from you. And so uh, please email me your comments, your feedbacks, your questions, uh, topics you'd like to discover, maybe some stories that you have. I'd love for there to be a dialogue and a conversation. Um, and so you can email me at sheleadscomments at gmail.com. That comes directly to me. I don't have any hired people that are going to check it. It's going to be me. So I'd love for you to, uh, to send me your notes and your feedback. I'd also love for you to like this podcast, give us a rating, and share it with a friend, share it with a woman in leadership, share it with a young girl who needs to know that there is a beautiful and bright future um, for her ahead. And until next time, I'll see you then. Thanks for joining in.